Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. But let's get ready to dive into God's Word. I want to share with you guys something as we kick off 2023. We're going to be in Luke, Luke chapter 2. Uh, it's starting in verse 36, if you have your Bibles, if you're on a tablet or a phone, to get you caught up so that we're all on the same page before I read it. I'm going to back up and give you the background, because what's going on is, is Jesus has been born, and they've brought him to the temple. And in the previous verses, prior to verse 36, you have Simeon, who's a priest, who was the person that had been orchestrating with Jewish men. When they would be born, they would come to the temple and they would go through these different rituals, a part of their Jewish custom. And Simeon had been told by the Lord that he was not gonna pass until he saw the baby Jesus. Now, he didn't know it would be Jesus. He didn't know the name would be Jesus, but he knew that he was gonna see the Savior before he passed. And in the previous verses, Mary and Joseph bring the baby, and Simeon has this amazing thing. In fact, I'll just read it for you if you don't mind. It won't be on screen, but I'll read it out loud. And it starts in verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consultation of Israel. The consultation of Israel is referring to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and listen to what he says, Lord, now you are letting your, servants, your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what it was said about him. And this is Mary and Joseph talking about Jesus. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is oppressed, pierced through so that thoughts for many hearts may be revealed. And it's just this concept of this, this amazing story that we never really talk a whole lot about, but it's, it's the amazing sovereignty of God in the way that he orchestrates everything. And so they have Jesus at this temple, and here's Simeon, and he's doing all these customs of the law, and Mary and Joseph really getting a little bit overwhelmed, realizing what's going on, and Simeon's talking to them, and he's quoting the Old Testament to them, talking about this prophecy. And then listen, then all of a sudden, in verse 36, it says, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, the tri of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. I mean, it's like all of a sudden we're sitting here and and, and we're in this story, and, and it's like all of a sudden, like there's this pause button, and, and I just got intrigued, like, like, what is it about this woman that caught God's eye? I believe that, that the Word of God is the inerrant Word. It's all inspired. It was Jesus inspired. Now, we know that Luke is the author of this, Dr. Luke, and we know that his whole theme of this particular gospel is about people. 
And I wanna know what inspired, other than God himself, but what inspired God to inspire Luke's pen to be able to write out this concept of like, hey, and by the way, by the way, just, just so you'll know what's going on, Simeon's, you know, he's doing all the things he needs to do with Jesus according to the law. He's talking to Mary and Joseph. And by the way, there was also this one other person in the temple. Like, hey, there, there's another person that was there. I think it does two things. Number one, I think it validates her and I'm gonna tell you the reason why he wanted to validate her. But number two, it also lets you know that what's happening is true. Throughout God's word, you'll see many different concepts that are going on. And these many different concepts of people are witnesses. And it's one of those things that even God calls us his witnesses now in this day. But let me go back and just look at a little bit of this, this prophetess Anna so I can give you a little bit of a picture of, of who she was. The first thing it says is that, that she was the daughter. It says Anna the prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel. Now, the only reason why most scholars would say that he is mentioned is because Phanuel, her father, it's his name. See, Phanuel, his name translates face of God. And so for him to, to be the father to his daughter, it's just one of those things to know that, that, that his whole process, his whole being, his whole who he was, was the aspect that, that his name, his name means the face of God. His legacy was the face of God. What he was known for was the face of God. And then it talks about this tribe of Asher. Now, Asher was the eighth son of Jacob. If you go back in the Old Testament, you have Jacob and who is, it changes his name to Israel, the one that wrestled with God and said, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. And all of a sudden he sets up Israel and, and you have the many different tribes and, and Asher was the eighth and he's one of the 10 lost tribes of Israel. Now, the reason why they're lost tribes is because they had a situation come up and you had David and then you had Rohab that came into kingdom and he, he shrunk the kingdom and made a northern kingdom. And in that process, Assyria comes in and ends up conquering that. This is more information you need, but I just want you to know what's going on. And when Assyria conquers them, next thing you know, they kind of get lost. But listen to this. I believe one of the reasons why he talks about the tribe of Asher is because when you're God's people, listen to me, you're never lost, you're just misplaced. Like I believe that, that God's wanting people to know in the New Testament, I have not forgot about my people. Even though you may not know where my people are, my people are still here. This tribe that you talk about, one of the 10 lost tribes of Israel, they're not lost, they just, they just misplace. They've just lost their voice. You just don't know where they are. They, they've been assumed because of war, because of the different things going on and because of oppression and because of displacing them to different places. Now they're no longer one big tribe. I think there's a lot of lessons to learn about that. When I think about his church in going into 2023, I think it's time for us to let people know the church isn't lost. We've we just been misplaced. Like it's time for us to come together and to let people know that, you know what, hey, we're still here. There still is an influence that God's people have in this world. There is people that God has set apart. He's anointed them to do something greater than themselves. And I believe that's what he's calling us to as a church. But it's time for us to realize, and so for you personally, listen to me. I don't know what last year was like. I don't know what life has been like for the last 10 years. But if you're breathing, there's probably a point in your life where you felt like, man, I'm just lost. Like, I don't know where to go. And listen to me. Even God's people 
from the world's perspective, got lost. But you know what God's up there saying? Hey, you ain't lost. You just misplaced. What does it mean to be misplaced? You just ain't in the right place. You just don't know where you are. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten what I've called you to. At Crossroads, we say it all the time. We want people to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. It's always amazing to watch people go through growth track. We're actually starting a brand new one next Sunday. I highly encourage you, if you've not been growth, join me in the cafeteria at 9 a.m. And to watch people kind of like, it's like the light bulbs go off. And they start realizing that, that my existence is not just to exist. Like my existence is not just to wake up and I go to work and I get a paycheck and I pay my bills. And I do that until I'm 65 and then I retire. And then I'm on Social Security and on retirement and because of our amazing thing called inflation, so now I'm broke and now I'm just gonna wait to die. And we call that the American dream. And God's up there going, no, 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 no. No, your existence is bigger than yourself. You just are allowing yourself to get misplaced. Can I chase a quick rabbit? I want you to think for a minute back to 2022. I mean, this is the first day of 2023. Like, I don't mind telling you in staff, we were like, they were like, hey, are we, we going to meet on New Year's Day? I don't know if you on New Year's Day. People are going to be out late. I was like, yes, we're going to meet. Like, it ain't even, we're going to, like, there ain't a better way to crank up. Why? Because in all the things that may have went on in 2022, and I don't care if it was a great year or if it was a year. Most people still find themselves becoming misplaced. And you know, let me tell you the number one thing that usually causes people to get misplaced. I'll tell you a story when I was a kid. I was a kid, and, and, and when I was a kid, I, and I still like animals. People give me a hard time about that. But I had many different dogs. And there was this one dog that just was a stray dog, and he come running, and I could tell he was hurt. So I followed him. I wanted to help the dog. And I, I'm in Mount Juliet, and this is before that place blew up and uh, before it just became a part of Nashville. And I mean, I'm, I'm going over hills. I'm going through creeks, trying to catch up to this dog because I knew that it had been hurt, whether it had been shot or something had gotten it. And I just wanted to help this dog. And when I finally called up to that dog and I made sure that dog was okay, I got done and, and the dog's petting me and I'm loving on it and it's licking me. And I'm like, oh, this is great. That's before I wised up and realized I don't want nothing licking me. But anyway, I'm sitting there doing all this stuff. And all of a sudden I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this dog home. And I stood up and realized I had no idea where I was. Because for about the last 45 minutes, all I'd done was track that dog. I wasn't looking at anything around. I was just, I mean, I was going over fences. I was going through people's yards. I was just like, woohoo, I'm going to get this dog. And once I caught up to this dog and caught what I was chasing, because I was so enthralled and focused on just this one thing, I didn't notice anything else around me. And all of a sudden, guess what? I was misplaced. I had no idea where I was. I believe for a lot of people, that is our issue as adults. We get so caught up and focused on chasing something and when we finally catch it, we're like, okay, it could be rewarding. It may not be rewarding. I'm not going to put that on you. But we get done chasing that, and then we stand up and we go, I, I, I don't know where I am. I graduated high school, took off to college, was there four years, 
got done, met somebody, got married, and next thing you know, it's like, okay, I'm 45 years old, and I don't know how I got here. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about it. Like in the process of trying to capture what it is that you want for your life, you don't even know where you're at. I believe that's the reason why he mentioned the tribe of Asher. Is because he's wanting people to know that even though you may think that God's people are lost, they're not lost, they're just misplaced. And what he's calling them all to is to come back home. He has put emphasis on this lady who has been found in the temple. Why? Because she was a part of the tribe of Asher, and she was one that would come back home. You say, well, what is the tribe of Asher? Asher was actually, his tribe was one of them that would stand up and would speak blessings and curses over people. And so it's really funny because they were a very vocal group, and Asher actually had some some things spoken over him that he would be somebody that would anoint people with oil. And, and his part of the kingdom ended up being around Galilee in that area where you get a lot of olive and olive oils and he was very wealthy. And, and in that process of, of wealth, all of a sudden he starts giving in to different kingdoms and kings and, and it ends up being something that, like his biggest issue, Asher's biggest issue is he didn't listen completely to what God had for him. See, God had called him to, to go and take hold of the land and to clean the land out, but he wouldn't, let, he wouldn't make the Canaanites leave. And all of a sudden, as they kept growing, next thing you know, the downfall of him was the things that he allowed to hang around in his land end up being the thing that came up and swallowed him up. You know any countries like that? I mean, you know any place that just allows things that aren't supposed to be there to be there. And they start growing and, and building momentum and, and all of a sudden whoosh, it swallows up the culture. You say, well, make it. what do you do about it? Well, let's, let's get back into God's word. Now the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in her years having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then in a widow until she was 84. Now, now, this is an ambiguous text. In other words, there's two different philosophies to this text, and, but there is a point to this. I'm just trying to give you a picture of who this lady is, okay? So it talks about how, how she was married for seven years, and then she was widowed, and then it says she's 84. Now, the Greek, the original Greek, actually translates that she was widowed for 84 years. And so the two different philosophies is, is she 84, or is she been widowed for 84 years? You say, what's the difference? Well, the difference is most time you wouldn't be able to marry till probably 14 years old. So if we take 14 and then add seven and then add 84, we're roughly at 105 years old. So we know that she's either 84 years old, which is taking the text like straight what they're saying, but because of the translation here, a lot of philosophers and, and most biblical scholars say, no, she probably was 105 because the way it translates is that she was a widow for 84 years. You say, what's the point? She was old. Whether she was 84 or whether she was 105, you need to know that she is up in her years. And she had waited until getting married, and she lost her husband seven years into her marriage. And for 84 years, it's just been her. It doesn't mention anything as far as children. It doesn't mention anything as far as family. In fact, it wants to give you this perspective 
that, that probably, now this is Mickey's, okay, I'm using a little bit of, of, of translation here. I'm gonna use this loosely. She's probably had a, a rougher life than most because of the Jewish custom and where she lived and the things that she was around to be a widow. There's a reason why scripture is very clear of, of taking care of pure religion is taking care of the orphans and the widows because in their culture, you gotta realize that in biblical times, you didn't, woohoo, women's right. There was no women's rights. And to not have a husband and to not have any children, like, like they didn't even know, what, like they didn't know you existed. And so what it's wanting you to understand is giving you a background that her father his legacy, his name was literally meaning the face of God. And she came from this major tribe that everybody says is lost, but it's still around. She's a part of it. And in her years, despite everything that's happened, she's still breathing and pursuing God. So let's read why. This is where it gets good. Let's read the, the why behind what's taking place. Starts in verse two. There, or, I'm sorry, in the next verse. She did not part from the temple. This is verse 30, end of 37. She did not part from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So can I kind of make this a little bit simpler? Here's a woman that no matter what's happened in life, she's made a commitment that she's gonna be in the temple. If she's in the temple, it says night and day. Uh, if you were to translate it in Greek, it's literally the aspect, it's continuously. Now, it doesn't mean that like for the last few years, like she's sleeping in a pew, but it's saying that she is devout in her time of getting into God's house and to pray. And she also knows of the custom that a Messiah is coming. And because of everything that she's dealt with, God has found favor in her and not only puts her as one of the witnesses that Jesus is who he says he is and was who he says he was, but also favors her that her commitment to God allows her to see the face of God. Her commitment to be in that temple day and night, prayer and fasting allowed her to see the face of God. Now, I want you to make sure you understand this. Her dad's name stands for what? The face of God. And her legacy is carrying out her father's name in that she is one of the few people in the temple that was able to see, literally put her hands on and see the face of God. You say, Mickey, what's the point? I don't know of anybody that doesn't want to see Jesus. But I know a lot of people that don't want to make a commitment to be in the right place to see Jesus. Like, I don't know of anybody that doesn't want God to bless them. But I know a lot of people that don't want to do the things they need to do to be blessed. In fact, look, look at what happens. I love her response. Her response after seeing it, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She immediately, when she sees Jesus, she has a thankful heart because she knows she's been blessed. And she immediately, like, you think if a, you ever seen a grandparent? Now, I'm old school. We used to have these things in your wallet that carried all these pictures. 
All right, it was cool. It was before you had a phone and you just flipped through them. And, and you'd have grandparents, they'd be like, look at my grandkids. And they just, and there they all were. This lady, once she saw Jesus, she's like, man, she was so thankful. You know, what she, everybody she talked to, she said, I've seen him. I've seen him. The redemption of the people has come. He's here. And it, it, she never stopped talking about it. All of a sudden in the temple, rather than fasting and praying, now she's in the temple worshiping and celebrating because she first was worshiping something she did not know. But once she met it and she knew it, now all she could do was talk about it. Scripture says that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can I ask you a question? What's in your heart? Like going into 2023, what are you finding yourself speaking about the most? See, I, I think Anna not only is forever like, like legendary in the canon of, of the word, like her name will forever be, like, like I don't know if you, like there, there are two things in this room that are eternal, you and God's word. And for the rest of eternity, Everybody will know that there was a prophetess named Anna. And they will know of her father, and they will know of her tribe. And they will know that she's carrying out the legacy of both her father's name and the tribe and what it was called to. And her favor all came because she made a commitment to prayer and to fasting. Can I write what's in my notes so I don't mess it up? It simply says this. I cannot promise you that at the end of 21 days of prayer that everything will be different. But I can promise you, you will be. Like we're on the brink of 21 days of prayer and it may seem like this, I'm telling you, it's one of the most rewarding, motivational things that we do. And I wanna encourage you to really think and ask yourself, if you knew what God wanted for you in 2023, what would you do to get it? I believe God's up there going, boy, if you guys, like I got some, I, mean, I got some blessings. I got my favor. I have some protection. There's so much that I want to do. But being the amazing, loving God, I'm going to allow you to choose. And if you'll draw near to me, Scripture says, and he goes, I will draw near to you. And if you'll do what I've commanded you to do, he says, I'll open up the floodgates. And I think a lot of people, and I've said this before, I think a lot of people don't have a, a theological issue when it comes to Jesus. They actually just have an effort issue. Like, can I, I want to say this very politely because I want to pull on you very lovingly. If in every other aspect of your life, if the effort that you put towards your spiritual growth, if you did that in any other aspect of your life, what would those things be like? Like the amount of effort you put in your relationship with the Lord, if that was the way you put that effort into your marriage, what would your marriage be like? If that same effort is what you put into your work, what would your work be like? If that effort was what you put into your employment, what would your employment be like? 
If that effort was the way you put into your finances, what would your finances be like? Your friends be like? Your children be like? Your parenting be like? That's kind of tough, isn't it? You say, Mickey, what are we going to do about it? I'm going to give you an opportunity. Because here's what I've learned. I really don't know what to do, but to do it. Like model the behavior. You say, Mickey, why do we get up here at 6 o'clock, and why do you ask everybody to come up here and be up here at 6 o'clock? You want to be a little bit honesty from the pastor? Because if you didn't come up here, I wouldn't come up here. Like, I need to be up here at 6 o'clock. I need to go into this year on my face, praying to Jesus, seeking his face. And the bottom line is, I need you. Because if you didn't come up here, you know what? I am batting a 1,000 about not being up here at 6 o'clock to pray when you guys aren't gathering. I just, I just need some people. You say, oh, I know what you're talking about. That's kind of like exercising, like you get somebody to exercise with you and you go work out. No, this is different. You'll actually like this. You'll actually find yourself longing for this. Like every year at the end of 21 days, there's always somebody that says, ooh, let's keep going longer. And the answer is, nope, we made a commitment. We're going to do it for 21 days. But I want you to listen. I want you to make a commitment. In fact, I wrote down three things in my notes, and I'm done. Number one, I want you to make a commitment to say, you know what, no matter what, I ain't going to stop. Like for some of us in the room, listen to me. You need to make a commitment that you ain't gonna stop. Like some of you are praying for certain family members. Listen to me. Don't stop now. Like we just celebrated Christmas. There had been silence for 200 years. Praise the Lord, she didn't stop. Praise the Lord that that when they brought the baby Jesus to the temple, it says, and it just so happens on that very hour. No, no, she had been coming and kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And when it happened, it was as natural, like, I've been waiting on you. I've been coming here every day, waiting on you. And I believe that God's up there and he's like, you're so close. I'm hearing your prayers. I'm doing what, what, what I'm called to do being the God. My ways are higher than your ways. My knowledge is higher than your knowledge. Just know that, that I'm working out something bigger than just your life. I'm working out everybody's life. And so it's, it's not that I'm not consumed with you. I'm actually infatuated with you. I love you so much that me, myself, took the form of a baby and I came so that you may have life and have life more abundantly. But you just need to know that as part of being God, you're not gonna understand this, but I'm working orchestrating everything together. I just need you not to stop on the eve of everything changing. The second thing that I wrote down is not only not to stop, but I also wrote down, open yourself. Open up yourself and get vulnerable so that you could see his face. Like, I'm telling you, I don't think you have an obedience issue. It's an effort issue. And I'm talking about me. Like, I want to encourage you to open up yourself and say, you know what, for the next 21 days. You say, Mickey, why would I do that? Well, you've been doing it your way for how long? It ain't really working. Like, I'm not, not, I'm not trying to punch you in the mouth. I'm just like, 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 at some point, you know, the definition of insanity, 
You know, you keep doing the same thing you've always done, but you're expecting something different. Like, hey, here's an idea. Here's something different. What would it look like if 2023, when you look and you say, listen, I can tell you where everything changed. From the very first day of it, I was pursuing Jesus. I got up after watching a misfield goal and a ball drop at the same time. And I made sure I was at church or I joined online. And then I immediately said, you know what, for the next 21 days, I'm going to pursue God. Like God, this year, 2023, what I want more than anything is I, I, I want you. I want you to orchestrate my life. I want you to direct my path. Not because it's something that I want from you, but because actually you're the best at it. Like you, you, you're the best. And every time I've tried to do it, it's not been the best. I'm not saying it's been bad. Okay, it's been a little bad. But it's not the best. And I believe if you see his face, it's the most contagious thing in the world, and you won't do anything but talk about it. Like, like you, you, like you, like me, I'm not a morning person. You are talking to the guy that ain't a morning person. Like, I remember in college, I was like, I cannot believe they expect you to be up for a 12 o'clock class. This is stupid. They had chapel at 10 by my name for four years. Chapel, deficient. I was like, I ain't getting up at 10 o'clock. Why would I ever get up at 10 o'clock? Who gets up at 10 o'clock? You say, what changed? My priorities. When things got busy, I realized I only had 24 hours in the day. And by the time 8 o'clock hits, if you're ever with me, by the time 8 o'clock hits, everything hits. And I need some time with Jesus, uninterrupted time. And it's like God was saying, well, what about, what about before 8? I was like, are you up then? Well, I'll get up, Jesus, if you up. I didn't know you was up at that time. And I'm telling you, when you see his face, all of a sudden you'll be like, man, I don't mind getting up. Make a commitment not to stop. Open yourself up so you can see his face. And the last thing. I think that when things get tough, just like with Anna, married for seven years, all of a sudden a widow for 84 years. I'm not not speaking to everybody, but I think I'm speaking to a majority of you. Listen to me. Not only do I not want you to quit, not only do I want you to to make yourself vulnerable so you can see the face of God because I think it'll change everything in your life. But the last part is is really personal. I think when things get tough, we run harder, not easier. Like, I'm going to tell you, one of my life purposes, one of my life rules is that when I find myself in spiritual warfare, I, I make, I'm going to run harder. Like, when they start messing with me and messing with my family because of my calling, like, all right, I'm going to run harder. You want to come after me? Come on, I'm going to run harder. Why? Because I want to know you can't mess with it. 
You're trying to get me off track, trying to get me to fall, trying to get me to do something that I shouldn't do to, to compromise everything about. When you come at me, spiritually speaking, then I'm like, Lord, I'm gonna run harder after you. When things get hard, I'm gonna run harder. The hard part is, is when, when things start to go good, I find myself letting off the gas. And the reality is, there ain't anybody in this room that can't run harder. And I'm curious if we all run hard towards the same thing. Going back to that puppy, maybe all of a sudden you're going to look up and you're not going to know exactly how you got there, but you're going to find yourself at a place, a place that he describes that's perfect and there's no more tears. There's no more cancer. There's no more struggles. And you get to spend eternity dwelling in the presence of Jesus Christ. And, and the only way we can describe it is, is heaven. You say, Mickey, how do you do that? How do you get there? You get misplaced in pursuing Jesus more than anything else. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.